It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, July 7th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is celebrating because it's finally draft day, Russ. We did it. It's here. It's here. And I can see the Flyers table from where I'm sitting at SiriusXM, too. Excellent. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen here, the fabulous prospect expert we have on our show at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, yes, it is draft day. And we are just going to kind of talk about the run of show and what it looks like from the management perspective, from the player perspective. Really excited to get into those details with Russ, who knows a lot about how that works. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So drop some likes and subscribe there as well. Russ, I, I can't believe we're here, but we did it. And we, it. we we've got a lot to look forward to for tonight's draft for day one and then for round one. And then on Friday, we've got the rest of the rounds. And it's kind of open season for that, too, in, in terms of who the Flyers could potentially pick up. And so I thought we'd kind of just kind of run through the day and what and the two days, I guess, and see what things look like. So from the player's perspective, just kind of, you know, from a bird's eye view, what is the draft day like for the top players? So uh, top players, and it's really a lot of players. It's more than the top. You know, you, you've got three, four rounds of players that sometimes will go. Uh, you'll have guys missing here and there, but. Uh, a lot more players will go to this one, especially because it's in Canada. <clears throat> and I think that will help. Uh, what you're going to see from players is, you know, they all bring as many family as they can. They go out there yeah, a few days ahead of time or day ahead of time. There's um, there's a lot that goes into it. For everything you hear about hockey moms and hockey dads and all of the driving and everything, when that player gets selected, it's a 99% factor that the moms will cry. And a lot of times I'll <laughs> ask the players about that, like ahead of time. I didn't do it this much, that much this year, but cause it's almost a foregone conclusion. Will your mom cry? Yeah. Your mom's going to cry. Like it's just going to happen. Um, what's interesting though, like a lot of players are not hiring people to dress them. Like you think they might because they're going to have money in the future or whatever. A lot of them, like I've, I've had a few that are taking credit giving credit to their buddies, like saying, Hey, you know, we went out shoots suit shopping and, and my buddies, you know, helped me out. And, um, you know, and the latest guy to do that, I think was Reed Schaefer when I asked him. And so it's going to be, I'm going to be interested to see what his suit looks like. <laughs> um, because I, you know, 
it's like one of those things where it's kind of like, all right, let's see, let's see how you look, and then you know we'll let you know after if if they did a good job or not. But um, I know there were times where I've spoken to uh, to players, and they definitely were dressed by professionals. So that mm-hmm. happens too. So you're going to see, you know, some snazzy dressers. You'll see some very basic suits from kids that just don't care. Um, and that's fine too. I think that's part of the charm of the NHL draft. It's not like the NBA draft where like everybody's wearing something that's worth way more than anything you own at home. So I think, I think there's that too. And, you know, and there's nerves. There's a lot of nerves for these players. Uh, they all would like to hear their name on the first day, but if it's right. not, you know, it's a tough night's sleep. And then you got to wake up the second day and then hope that you get drafted. You know, not everybody gets drafted. So, you know, there's that too. So then what is sort of the determining factor for those supposed first round picks or potential, you know, late first round, early second round? Like how many of those get seated in the prime area in the arena in case they get I think more now than they used to. Uh, As an example, I I wrote about um, Kale McCarr, who was taken fourth overall, right, by Colorado and was not uh, we'll seated. hear about that for the rest of our natural born lives yes yeah. and was not seated in the green room he was in the mm-hmm. stands but he had to actually come out of the stands to go and and get to the podium which nowadays wouldn't happen because mm-hmm. i think that was just like a complete oversight like they should have just put him in there on the off chance but they didn't and so like you know that may be the last time that that happened I tend to like it better when the players are in the stands anyway, because I love seeing, you know, the camera try to find them. They pop up and they're with their family. They're with their family. I think it's so much better that way. I think it's nice. Day two is full of that. Right. So I think it's nice. Uh, Would I be a liar if I said I'm glad that they have a green room and they could do it in an orderly fashion so that I don't have to leave the arena at midnight after doing a broadcast? (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that they kind of have an order to it. Yeah, it was nice when they had to do it remotely uh, early in the pandemic that they sent everybody all the hats. So yes, they could... the hats thing was funny. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. That was really good. Now, and they of... ended up giving away those hats to like their buddies and friends of you know friends who were who liked those teams. It was really funny. Yeah, it is super, super fun, the the way they got creative on on that year. But I think that, you know, for guys that are, again, kind of the borderline players between the first round and the second round, that must be just the most nerve wracking. It is. And they, you know, they'll never fully cop to it. And but there are players that know, hey, they could go anywhere from 20 to somewhere in the second round. And look. We've all seen pictures of guys. I still see the face of Angelo Esposito as he's dropping and, you know, they keep showing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's they're always going to do that. It's just there's drama like that's just built in drama. And you feel bad because it's a young guy. Like, how would you feel at that age? With, but already they were so used to a lot of attention that, you know, it's not it, I can't say it's not the worst thing because it is the worst thing, but it's not something that they're not prepared to to do and that so they're all prepared to feel the best or feel the worst like that's just the way it goes yeah and I also enjoy kind of the organic reactions and 
I think all of them, of course, are just excited to be drafted into the NHL at all. And so what team it is, is kind of irrelevant. But you try to look for those little hints and clues that are they excited about this team in particular or not? Yeah, once in a while, you'll see a player that actually goes to the team that they hoped they were going to. And you sometimes you knew that at the combine. Most of the times you find that mm-hmm. out afterwards. And I think you're right. I think there is a little something special about that. Mm -hmm. But again, there is just something about getting drafted, too. And that is the main goal here is just get your name called. One team just has to fall in love with you. That's the whole thing. So then what is the post-announcement experience for the players like? So after they go up on stage, they take the pretty picture with the jersey on and the hat. They're smiling. And then what? Well, there's a gauntlet. So, you know, they go and they'll go from the stage to uh, Sirius XM. They'll do an interview there. They'll go to TSN. This year, they'll go to ESPN. Then they'll go to the media. Then they'll go on the gauntlet, um, usually in the bowels of the stadium to get like their hockey cards taken, pictures taken for upper deck. So there's that too. So there's a whole gauntlet of about five or six different things that these players have to go through after they're drafted. So a lot of times mm. I'll pass them in the hallways. I'll, I'll see them cause I have a little different access, you know, than some regular media and, you know, I'll see guys on their way to get their pictures taken for their hockey cards and other ones are coming back and they're, they're just going to the podium. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot to it. There's, it does. And, and there's a lot of people are just, um, thrown into it they just you know they're volunteers they're just there because they want to be around the experience and they've and they help not everybody is working like you know like an arena person there's a lot of volunteers too that's cool yeah i'm always uh wondering if they're gonna do the typical pointing the stick out pose in their photos and is that going to be the picture this year or is there a different pose that yeah it depends it always it depends on the photographer i've sat in on a few of them because i i have some friends at upper deck it does depend on the photographer but um you will see that picture more than anything else once in a while you'll see a kissing of the stick once in a while you'll see some other stuff but that's the pose you'll see the most yeah All right. Uh, That's a lot of fun info on the players side of things. We're going to talk about management side of things coming up next. But first, I want to talk to you about the incredible Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar because they have taken that Built Bar and given it the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness, but it's also good for you. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, but all delicious. It's the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving or you need to satisfy a sweet tooth or just want a healthy snack. Plus, they're an excellent source of protein and collagen protein at that, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides a ton of health benefits. You're going to eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time, though. So go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going to go fast. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Go to built.com right now to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. 
NHLDraft.com. The NHL Draft is tonight and tomorrow, and our team of local hosts and draft experts at Locked On are going to break it down for you with insights and analysis for every first round pick. So subscribe to Locked On Flyers over on YouTube for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL Draft and more. All right, Russ, we talked about the players and what they go through. Now let's talk about the management side of things. And One of the things that has always been interesting to me about that is the fact that there's like mass tables of people at the draft, because to me, in my head, I've always imagined that they have their draft board ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so you don't need 87 people at a table weighing in on everything as the draft progresses. Maybe, I guess, on the second day, more than the first day, you would need a, a few more people there. So who are all the people that are there besides, you know, your GM, assistant GM, uh, and such? Well, these are the people that you do go to war with, right? And they do come up with the board, and then they have their booklet with them, and they have all their scouting reports there, and it's just... Yeah, it's like you said, GM, assistant GM, director of scouting, director of, you know, pro scouting, amateur scouting, all those guys are there in case you make a trade. Uh, sometimes there's, you know, distinguished people in the organization that you just had there. So they're there. Um, sometimes you have family members there of like uh, the owner, you know, like kids or something. Once in a while, you'll see like an owner and a kid. You'll see yeah. Like, or the kids are runners. Like yeah, the going kids around are the runners, stuff. so they wear the team jersey. You see that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, one year Kevin Connolly was on the table. Um, so he was there for the Islanders. And I'll never forget this. I was getting ready to interview Brock Nelson after he was drafted. And then you know, this guy walks up and he goes, Excuse me. He goes, Hey Brock, I just want to congratulate you. And he shakes his hand and he leaves. And he goes, Sorry about that. He says that to me, and then I start talking to Brock Nelson. So, you know, Kevin Connolly was there when Charles Wong owned the team. So he was like their good luck charm. And so you see a lot of that. And, you know, you have the proverbial phone there, which I think is ridiculous now. But, yeah, you know, like they're using communicates that way these days. Yeah, nobody does. But there's a lot of things that go on. So, you know, you have everybody who's at the table. There's a roll call. Like there's a roll call about, eh, I want to say, 20 minutes before the draft starts, 25. Yes, that is one of my favorite parts of the draft, actually, yeah. is the roll call. And I've been to a few of them. And it's always been so much fun. And especially when I went to the one in Philadelphia, where, you know, who get what teams get booed, what teams get yeah. cheered during the roll, roll call, especially yeah. when it was in Philadelphia, and the Penguins got booed. The the loudest and in and in Pittsburgh when the Flyers got booed the loudest right and so you have the roll call but before the roll call that's where you'll see a lot of GMs talking to each other that's where you'll see GMs talking to the media there's media that will be on the other side of the floor that don't, don't have access but they'll still try and get some last minute information out of a GM or an assistant GM or a scout mm-hmm. or somebody like that so you'll see a lot of that going on right before the roll call and and then what always makes me laugh too is when the draft starts, 
whoever won the Stanley Cup, like they, everybody feels like they need to open up their statement by saying, yeah, congratulations. So this year will be the right. Colorado. You know, some teams and don't want to do that, but everybody does that to be cordial and it gets old after a while. It does. It kind of does, but it also, it feels like an obligation. You're right. And yes. it do, you do notice it when teams don't do that or oh, yeah. say thank you to the hosts or something like yes. that. Thank you to Montreal. It's the greatest city in the world. Thank you to, yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> your bagels are terrible but nonetheless yeah you think they're great they're not yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what is the process then step by step for making a pick because you know you see it kind of they just walk up and announce the pick but is there an official way they have to actually submit the pick to the league ahead of walking up on stage not that i'm aware of um i i don't think there's any kind of special thing i just think um when they go up there they hand the envelope off and and then it gets gonna gets read i don't think there's anything beyond that uh if there is i don't know about it and i haven't noticed it but i'll look again this year because you never know when they're going to sort of change it but you know you almost wonder yeah. like would you want to do that electronically it'd be kind of cool if you did it electronically you know, yeah i'm just picturing almost like flashing lights on yeah. like almost like an LED light chain yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. from the table up to on stage and right. then it like shows up in big lights. Yeah. Like first it would there. say maybe the pick is in and then it would show up in <laughs> mm-hmm. big you know, it'd be cool. Yeah. And then that. everybody walks up at the same time, the management, right. the player, and then join together, take the pretty picture. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Make it'd it interesting. Fun. Look it like a video game or something. Yeah. You know? It would change it up. Well, you did bring up the uniform thing. I wanted to mention one thing about that. So there is a tell for some for some of those. You could tell when a team knows that they were going to take a player because they have a stitched uniform. Many yes. other with their name. Many other times they don't have a name or they have the nameplate stuck at the last minute, you know, like it's Velcroed. There's a tell mm-hmm. there. Well, you would think they would make like at least two or three of them ahead of time, right? Some teams do, if some for, don't. You for know. the first round. Obviously, yeah. for the later rounds, they're just blank jerseys. Right. Um, I, I've seen those well, just the year several on them. times. They'll have the year on yeah. yeah. As the number, but not, yes. there'll be no nameplate no name on it. Um, I had a lovely conversation with Wade Allison in the concourse in Buffalo when he got drafted and i knew it was him well from the red hair but also because he was carrying that flyers jersey yeah uh that was that was a fun fun oh yeah fans that's the other thing that's fun about the draft is like these guys are not snooty guys like i used to do a show on the concourse and you know one time we wanted to get brandon sutter and he went up to to his dad daryl and said hey dad can i go interview with this guy and he goes yeah go ahead and then I walked him over to the table. Like, it's just that casual sometimes. And it's right. great. It's great for fans. No, they totally get autographs. Is. But not every draft's like that. The NFL draft, they can't do that. So that's something special about the NHL draft, too. So then, like, how does it work between the media and GMs or, like, the GMs um, talking to each other you talked a little bit about like they're mostly texting but are there any tells that you can see like a a deal is about to happen yeah i mean you know the stations will definitely um focus in on two gms talking and you could see if they're you know deeply engaged uh there have been times where um there was a coach once that walked up to a table and 
the table, said, hey, how would you like to coach for us? And when that coach got signed, that team had to give up a first-round pick. That happened many years ago. So there are all kinds of weird interactions that do occur. And if you watch it, if you're there, or if you, you're on the TV network you're on is, is keeping an eye on it, there are some things to glean. Like if someone is, you know, if, if Chuck Fletcher is talking to, I don't know, Ron Hextall for an inordinate amount of time, you could figure out that something might be happening. So, and then there's guys that scour the floor for different networks too, that you know, are looking for that information. Maybe someone from a team that they know whispers to them and says, yeah, you know what? So that that's how it's sort of done. That's really cool. Love all of that kind of behind the scenes insight about the draft. I think being there, you really get a sense of of some of those inner workings, even just sitting in the stands or, yes. or being around it. it. It's just all the stuff that you don't see on TV about the logistics of it all. It is really cool. And again, you know, watching your team's table and what they're doing, again, while nobody's watching from home, I think is always really fun. I wish that was another thing that I have always wanted is there to be like table cams for right. each team that are streaming somewhere that you can just log in and watch <laughs> what your team's draft table is doing. I think that would be a lot of fun, too. They might do that only after roll call. They definitely would not want mm -hmm. to do that before roll call. Right, right. All right, well, we'll see if we get any uh, tells from Chuck Fletcher or Brent Flair or Danny Breer or anybody else at the Flyers table uh, during this draft. We are going to give kind of our final thoughts and ramp up for the big event coming up next. But first, we're going to talk to you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wine door, often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer from expert mechanics to beginner do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. So this is kind of our last shot to talk about the draft ahead of time for the Flyers. And I guess like in terms of my hopes, wishes, and dreams for the Flyers, uh, especially in the, in the first round, two thoughts I have. Number one, I really hope they don't trade that fifth overall pick. I mm -hmm. think they really need to take it. And um, it would have to be extraordinary circumstances for me to think it was a, a good idea to trade that pick. So number one, do not trade that pick, Chuck Fletcher. And number two for me is don't overthink it. I think that you can kind of getting into everything you know, try and go back and forth and second guess yourself. I think that at that five spot, there are several good options. Any one of them would be considered a good pick no matter what. So just go with what you know 
and not what you think you know or anything else creeping into your head. Just be confident about that pick. Yeah, I say don't trade the fifth either. Even trading down and getting a second that way, I wouldn't want to do it. Uh, if there's a way of trading uh, a player to get a second and you have to give up you know, one of your 2023 20, thirds or something like that, I'm okay depending on who the player is and if you're saving cap space and if it's a part of that kind of deal. Uh, I'd be in on that because I think there's some good second-round value here and I don't think the Flyers can afford to waste another year of development waiting for where they're going to draft in 2023 and then waiting another four years from that. So I do feel like that could be a thing. And then, you know, beyond that, I, I just would want to say um, take the best players. You need a lot of different things. You do. Don't always go for need here because <clears throat> your needs three or four to five years later may change. So that's the big thing I would say. Yeah. And I absolutely want them to get into that second round. Like we've been talking about, there's some really good options in that range as far as the rankings go and some really good players that could make an impact for this team in, you know, three to four years. And, and look, I know, get it. There's a 15% chance on average that second rounders are going to make it. But the idea about the draft is the more picks you have, the better your chances are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I think trading players or prospects currently in the system to get into that second round, obviously it'll depend on who they are, but as far as who you're trading away, but I, I think it's worth it at this point in what the Flyers are doing and where they are realistically. I think leaning more toward a rebuild style at this draft will help them moving forward. And I think people will at least appreciate the willingness to go for it on that front. So that is my hope, wish, and dream slash advice. Do you have any last minute advice for the Flyers? Last minute advice for the Flyers is definitely, you know, don't go up there right away at, at the minute that like day one, I think you get five minutes. I think day two, you get like two minutes. Use up the clock. I'm fine with that. Make sure you're, you're all in agreement. Make sure there's no last minute deal that comes in. Don't be in a rush to, to just run up there and don't always take the player that seems like the best value because they fell. Sometimes they fall for a reason. Go with your board. Don't ever stray from your board. Amen to that. All right. So in the U.S., the draft will be on ESPN. In Canada, it's on Sportsnet. Which, by the uh, way, for... Pierre Maguire just got added oh, to that. I saw. <laughs> what a tragedy for the Canadians. I'm so sorry, Canadian <laughs> friends. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I'm so sorry that has to happen for you. Uh, all right. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Uh, yesterday, we brought you Ivan Provorov uh, draft memories. Today, it's Scott Lawton. We talk about some of the booing that happens in these drafts. Well, this was some epic booing as he got chosen at the draft that was held in Pittsburgh. Um, I think that Paul Holmgren handled it pretty well up mm -hmm. at the podium that day. Uh, pretty happy with that. But uh, that memory is a good one for me. Yeah, and that's a fun draft in Pittsburgh. I really like that. Pittsburgh's a good city for, for events like that. So It really memorable. is. Yeah. Got to give them credit on that front. Um, I, I love that building. And um, yep. they, they do put on a good event. It was the there. first time I encountered 5G because I remember I was doing a show and I was like, how are we supposed to connect to the internet? And they're like, Wi-Fi. And I'm like, 
but what's your Wi-Fi? And they're like, we're the only building with 5G in the league. And I'm like, okay, good enough for me. <laughs> Excellent. All right, that will do it for today's show. We're going to be back again tomorrow with our day one draft recap and our day two preview. Uh, as you know, Russ will be in Montreal, so we're looking forward to getting some amazing behind the scenes reports from this draft and uh, we're going to be recording that early Friday morning so look for it in your feeds and over on YouTube kind of mid-morning that's when we'll have it for you there as a reminder we always want to hear from you so send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com or drop us comments over on YouTube. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Our experts at Locked On NHL give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.